Welcome to Developing Organizations, my podcast about how to grow and fix the human organizations we all belong to so they can change the world. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephen Goodwin, President and CEO of Turning West, a national organization development and leadership consulting firm based here in the greater Los Angeles area. In the episodes of this podcast, I want to invite you to follow along with me as I have the most fascinating conversations with the leaders I'm privileged to meet in my consulting work. It's been my experience that throughout my career, I've been inordinately frustrated by organizations that should be doing more to change the world, but really are just stuck or stagnant. It frustrates me to no end hearing stories of people who every Sunday afternoon feel sick to their stomach thinking about having to go to work tomorrow to deal with that bullying boss or that terrible climate or their gossipy culture. Those aren't productive cultures. Those aren't organizations that are tuned to really have maximum impact for the world. And on the other hand, one of the great joys of my life as an OD consultant is I have the good fortune to regularly engage in the most intriguing conversations with experienced leaders in all sectors of American life. I've decided to create this podcast to try to capture a bit of that magic kind of capture those dialogues if I could and bottle them up so you too, my listeners, can hear these conversations as if you were here at the coffee shop or the office or the studio with us. I hope that you can learn along with me about how to lead organizations and create better societies as a result of doing so. I want to give you a window into the lives of others, especially as they learn to lead organizations. Leadership is primarily modeled. Certainly, it can be taught and experienced and coached, but first and foremost, leadership is modeled. I hope as you listen in on these episodes, you'll learn from other leaders as they model for us what they're working on, what they're struggling with, what they're wrestling for, as they try to create a better world. We'll be talking about a lot of very deep topics of all ranges and varieties of different disciplines and more. We'll dive into theology and psychology and sociology and anthropology and more. We'll learn what motivates people and what is leadership and how do you build a world-class team and so much more. And in the process, one of my hopes is that we'll learn how to do better as leaders, to be more intentional, to be more constructive, more positive about how to actively and proactively shape these human organizations we all live in. My guest today is the Reverend Jeffrey Chelberg, who's president and CEO of the Kairos and Associates, as well as the Joshua Group, two firms in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Jeff and I went back a long ways. We went back to our seminary days when we were uh, back in St. Paul, Minnesota at Luther Seminary. We didn't know each other very well then, but we got reconnected along the way in our journey of the last 10 years or so. And together in this episode, I want to have a great conversation about what is leadership? What are we talking about when we talk about this term we use so cavalierly, throw it around as if it comes with the office or comes with a title? Leadership is far more complex than that. So take a listen as Jeff and I talk about the subject of leadership. Well, welcome to Developing Organizations. My guest today is uh, the Reverend Jeffrey Chelberg. 
uh, owner of uh, Kairos uh, and Associates and the Joshua Group, two consulting firms, um, mostly in the faith-based space. Our topic today on this episode is leadership. Uh, Jeffrey's got a lot of experience with uh, leadership and growing leaders, helping develop leaders. Um, and so, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your journey as a leader and, and uh, what you're doing these days and a little bit about your companies. Well, um, I'll start with the company ones. You know, I, I own two uh, consulting companies that are uh, designed to work with faith-based, faith-based cultures. We work primarily with churches, but also nonprofits. Um, uh, one of them is designed to help congregations uh, or these entities uh, gather resources in to help their uh, to live into their mission and their ministries, and we do that in a unique way. And the other one, the Joshua Group, is really designed to help these uh, faith communities do some deep diving into their understanding of themselves, their understanding of their missional identity, what, what I like to call their holy purpose. So that's th- those are the entities that I own. I was a pastor for many years in the Lutheran, Lutheran culture and have been doing this for 17 years now. And so a part of that work certainly is to experience uh, many, many, many different cultures and leaders. Right. I bet you've seen a lot. Yes. And, you know, the interesting thing is uh, the, 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 the term leadership, what does it mean to be a leader? You know, there, there are so many different ways to, uh, you know, understand that because right. oftentimes it's like, well, that means I got to be up in front of people. Yeah, the charismatic leader. People kind of assume that, that's the only way right. to be a leader. Isn't that true? And we've got people coming out of our seminaries and entering into leadership of these faith-based communities, um, who don't that are don't have that kind of a skill set, um, and so thus they they think there's some deficiency there already because they don't necessarily have that um, upfront uh, persona. Um, oh, I see. Sure. And but they but. And, and for them to discover that that's not really, truly the the sign of a good leader, because you can have great speakers yeah. who can stand up and who can deliver that aren't very good leaders. Yeah. And so that isn't the definition to say that isn't the model of leadership or being a good leader is to be able to be uh, articulate in front of a group of people. But isn't that sort of our American mythology, this charismatic leader, you know, you're Abraham Lincoln or you're John F. Kennedy and can stand in front of the world in Berlin and give these fiery speeches or Martin Luther King, but that sort of gives this sort of false notion of what a real leader is. Right. Absolutely. And so for many, they they start out with the deficiency of that image because they don't have it. Right, and then they might get a little distorted in in their own self awareness of what it is that I truly do bring to the table um, to be a leader uh, in the way that I can be a leader. Yeah, yeah. So, how does I mean this this sort of I see this other notion too in leadership as well. I I have the title. I'm in the corner office, right? We see that in our work at Turning West a lot, and people have this notion that well, because I've achieved this. Um, this level of education, I'm the reverend in this parish, you know, or whatever, I'm the leader. But that's not necessarily true. Would you agree? I I would agree. And I think, you know, we've talked about this, that uh, 
people are moved up in that leadership chain, uh, oftentimes based on performance. You know, you've done yeah. a good job on this tier of, of being in the organization or the entity. <clears throat> so now we'll move you to that next level and only right. to discover that the, I don't remotely have the skill set or the capacity to lead in that kind of a way. And so rather than looking at um, my capacities and assets outside of the performance, you know, the, the deliverable or whatever. Yes, yes. Um, what is it that I bring in? And, that, and also the person themselves developing a sense of self-awareness of what are those strengths so I don't get frustrated trying to be something I have no capacity of being. Yeah. And, and then I go to a workshop or I go to a training right, session. Right, right. I read a book. You know, I read a book and I think, well, now I've got it. And then I come to learn, no, I don't because I don't have that deeper sense of self to know, um, and, and that, that is honestly the best sign of a good leader is to know, know thyself, but to yeah, yeah. know my deficiencies. Right. Not as a negative, but as an affirmation of where I should put energy. Sure. Um, and where I need to complement myself with those that I gather around me in this work of being a leader. Yeah, we, we use the language we use at Turning West is the difference between an achiever and a leader, right? I may have achieved these degrees and I may have achieved this status and I may be have gotten appointed uh, pastor of this large congregation or this faith-based organization or, or a, a other kind of entities. Therefore, I must be a leader. But that's not necessarily the case, right? Right. And, and the culture kind of looks at that as being a leader because yes. you have achieved. Right. Um, but they don't know that there, there aren't the assets or the skill sets there um, that have uh, allowed that person to achieve. Right. That, that's going to be different than gathering people around you as a leader. And, and I, I think um, one of the key attributes to a, a leader uh, is this capacity to self-differentiate. So say more about that. That's fascinating. What, what does that mean, self-differentiate? Well, um, you know, I think it, the way I look at it is uh, how I create a sense of self, my identity. Uh-huh. And if I have my identity yoked or tied to another entity, we call that codependency or oh. that, that my sense of self is not dependent on my assets, my, my identity, right. um, but I need others or an organization or a sense of achievement to give myself a sense of um, identity. So I'm letting them define me. As opposed to me in, defining me. And some are more severe than others. You right, know, Some sure. really are heavily codependent and others are not. But but to me, self-differentiation is to know that I can be comfortable uh, naming who I am in and of myself with the skills I've learned about me um, and not see um, and not need others to um, uh, confirm that or to... Uh, uh, um, to affirm that, to just kind of, you know, validate that. Validate. Validation right, is the right, word I'm right, looking for. Right. Um, I, my sense of self does not have to be validated by another entity that, you know, it doesn't mean we don't look for affirmation and all of that course, stuff. Of course, of course. We all need that. Uh, and so, you know, my experience uh, working around the country is where I find leaders that have really been able to do that mm -hmm. and to self-differentiate so they're comfortable in their own skin, so to speak, right. and are not codependent on these other elements to give them a sense of value or purpose. Um, then they are able to enter into those systems and lead more confidently and courageously 
uh, like because that. their affect on that system does not affect their own sense of self. Right. Um, because So it becomes about the system they're in, um, in and of itself, rather than I need to affect that system because then that, in turn, affects how I feel about myself. So, so for some of our listeners to this podcast, this episode, what advice would you give them? They're, they're reflecting on this and they're thinking about their own self-differentiation. What advice might you give to them right now to how to start that process or to advance that process in their own life and their own leadership? Well, what I wouldn't do is go back to the 70s and read whatever self-help book you can find. Great, great. Um, because that, where, where did that get us? Um, what I would say is that um, coaching, executive coaching, finding somebody that you can trust that can help point out to you um, uh-huh. the, um, the the journey you're on of that self-awareness, uh-huh. that ability to self-differentiate. There are great tools um, that somebody can take to, to learn more about um, our tendencies and, and, sure, and things sure, like that. Sure. But I, I do think, um, especially in church culture, uh, we don't advocate enough for our leaders to um, do coaching. Yeah. To really have that person, we we have spiritual directors, but sure. that's very different. That's a very different thing. Very isn't different it? than somebody having a coach or um, a person that can help them be accountable to that work. So it's not just in your own head that you're trying to process this, but you have somebody else that's objectively listening and watching and observing, perhaps, um, to help point things out to you that can help you grow in that. So. That's where I would absolutely encourage a leader to start. Yeah. Um, you and I were classmates in seminary all those years ago. And I, I remember, I'll never forget the very first day. I don't know how or where this came about, but my first day, there had been a new study released on leadership. And I, it stuck with me all these years. The number one finding of leaders, of this leadership study, was leaders are lonely, right? They're, they're very lonely. And I would imagine that executive coaching for a leader um, could be a very valuable thing to have to alleviate a little of some of that loneliness, some place where you could test out an idea. How, how does this sound? What are the, without having to go to the congregation or the system that you're in to test that out, because that could be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. That could be, you might step on a landmine or have a half-baked idea, and then, you know, that we're uh, working with a coach or thinking that through with a mentor could be a real chance to test out some ideas, and get some new learning. Well, and in a safe place to do that. So I, I right. would say absolutely. And and just as importantly, if if we if we're left to our own devices, we can tend to um, go off on a tangent yeah. or get fixated on something Good. that probably isn't that as is an issue as we think it is. Right, right. But if you have a coach, somebody that's objectively listening and learning with you, they can help you give give you a different way to mm-hmm. think about something that you may have really come to believe is really an issue for you. Yeah. And to say, you know what, that isn't what's going on here. What's going on here, as I see it, is that you tend to be doing this instead of that, whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, again, left to our own, yeah. uh, we can tend to get wrapped up into something that may not be um, as important as we think it That's is. That's true. I know when I started this consulting business, Turning West, you know, I... I didn't have business experience and I didn't have any sales experience. I sought out a coach in both those areas. And, and as I think back how how quickly they helped 
um, accelerate my learning, right? Because they could point me to the right resource. So here's an idea, or here's three things you might look at. Or a couple times I can think back in terms of the business side of learning the business of consulting, um, people said, well, that's been tried before. Don't go down that road because that's not going to help you, but try this. That was so incredibly valuable. That was worth all the money and twice more Mm -hmm. that I'd had. Right? And there's no shame in that. And there's no shame in that, right? <laughs> I mean, I think about, you know, LeBron James and Misty Copeland and, you know, the famous artists. They all have coaches to the very end, the pinnacle of their profession and their sport. Right. They still use coaches. Well, and you think about church leaders, pastors, um, or however you find yourself in a faith community leading. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're inserted into those systems very ill-equipped based on what you've gone through in seminary education or even college education, depending on, in, in terms of how to be a leader, the best leader that you can be. Right. Not some image of a leader that you've um, latched onto that you'll never be able to be. Yeah. But to know how to be the best leader you can be. Right. And so what can happen is um, we, we, we're, we're, our tendency is to quick fix. So we get in there, we realize we don't know what we're doing. Right. So now we're going to go try and fix it. We're going to go try and find the, the next thing that we can tap into or the next book or the, the next workshop that's going to fix that issue that we've discovered about ourselves. And that is absolutely the wrong way. It is. I agree with you. Trying to evolve yourself right. as an effective, um, faithful leader that, that is faithful to you as the person to who yeah, you are right, and faithful to the entity in which you're trying to be effective in. Right, right, yeah. So it's not about just reading another book or going to another training seminar. I mean, you could you could know everything there is about firefighting, but that doesn't mean you've ever fought a fire before. Right, especially right? if you're going in there um, getting blindsided. Right. Going, I had no idea that this is what... Conflict? Yeah. I have to know how to deal with conflict. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm going to read a conflict book. Well, I, I still don't know my own capacities Good. in embracing conflict, but I'm, I'm trying to quickly get in front of this, or I have to be an organizational development guy. I have to cast vision. Yeah. I have to do these things that I've discovered um, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, again, I'm ill-equipped. Rather than taking the time proactively to help leaders, um, it's not about skill. Yeah. You know, just have these skills to write a good article, to preach a good sermon. Sure. Those are great. Sure, they're important. But that is not the baseline of what a good leader needs to have. You know, and as I said, that starts with this deep sense of self, self-awareness, right. self-actualization, right. self-differentiation. And that's not new. That's not 21st century new discovery. Sure isn't. Um, it's just been in place for yeah. ever, and we just got to be... Um, mindful of that. Right. So, you know, our, our listeners of this uh, podcast, I'm sure, are starting to ask themselves by this point, you know, how do I keep my progression of leadership development going? What, what would you say to them about how to, it, it, we've talked about it's more than just another class or another book at Barnes & Noble, but how do they keep developing their skills as a leader and grow deeper and, and more um, effective? Well, I think very simply to be able to say you never arrive. Good. So if you think yeah. you you know I did my coaching sessions for six months I'm good, right? Well that's that's wrong. Sure. Um, you're good to that point of six months, um, but if you've decided that you can disengage from those proactive ways of being a leader and growing as a leader, 
then you will you'll fixate <laughs> probably right where you checked out. Right. Sure, so sure. It, it's it's an ever evolving process. It's like the faith journey itself. We never arrive in a place of true faith and belief. That that's an evolution. Oh, that's a nice analogy. And if we stop thinking, you know what, I got enough. Uh-huh. I know enough now. I'm I'm right. done. I'm I'm the kind of believer I think I need to be. Yeah. Or a person of faith. You know, then we know that that's that's a bad moment. Right. So being a, a person, and I think that's true for any person, that you engage in ongoing, proactive ways to keep pushing your edge, to keep learning and growing. Right. And honestly, for me, that is the beauty of God's gift to us. That, yeah. That, that it's not a, a stagnant, um, already determined experience, but it we discover all the time, and that's beautiful. And even at our age, you know, or any age, you right. can still Your grow. And my, my You're age, older than right. me, right? I know by two weeks, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I had um, my doctoral advisor, you know, he made a metaphor that I always uh, go back to and think about. He said, you know, the goal of an apple tree is not to produce an apple, it's to produce an orchard. And what he meant by that is, you know, that the the apple tree wraps its seeds around this ripe, ju- loose, just uh, juicy fruit, and then it drops it to the ground. And some animal, it entices some animal to come and take it and take it off to its lair and down deep. And then it consumes that fruit and leaves behind the seeds. And therefore, on the, end of the other end of the orchard or other end of the meadow, a new apple tree sprouts. And he used that to say, you know, the the purpose and the, one of the goals of a leader is to grow more and better leaders. Right. So how can a leader take some of these skills that we've been talking about, these, this conversation, and and to do just that, grow more and better leaders as an inherent part of what they do as a leader? Well, I think that's that's bringing the right lens, the right perspective into your work with others. Because if you work with others and see them as tools for you to leverage for yourself, mm-hmm. rather than gifts that they bring nice. and to help them like become... That. Um, more than what they are, not that they are insufficient as you meet them, but we're always going to become more. Sure, sure. But if, if I think you fail as a leader is if you treat people as though they are there to just perform a task. Or if they're like cog in a wheel and I can just right. replace that cog and exactly. swap that one you're out. As, you're, you know, you're as replaceable as anybody. Versus you bring uniqueness, you bring gift, you and you affect the DNA of the whole here, right? Um, and that's that's beautiful. And I want to respect and honor you, and, and constantly uh, allow those other folks to know that uh, they aren't just perfunctory. Yeah, uh, but they're they they're infectious. Right. They are as important to the whole as as the whole itself. You know. So it's that that to me creates the environment in which people are motivated to become even more rather than, you know what, I'm showing up and I'm just doing this task yeah, and I'm yeah. doing that task again tomorrow. Right. And rather than I'm helping to advance uh, a mission. Um, right. And, and that's, you know, I'm a leader, even though I'm not up front. Yeah. I, I'm a leader cause I'm in this, this group, this entity that's making stuff happen. And, and aren't those the most effective leaders, the ones who can see, Lakeisha's talent and Juanita's talent and Bill's talent and make the most of them, help them become more of who they are and and put those gifts to use. And every leader has weaknesses and everyone on the team has weaknesses and find a way to balance, you know, uh, Ted's, you know, lack of gifts here with with Dave's 
gifts over here and really build, build a team approach. Right. And, and that, that happens both in um, word and practice. Yeah. You know, you have to be affirming. Right. Um, and not, and, and, and genuinely. Yes. Not, you know, I, I said I love you today or I like you today. Yeah. So I got that checkbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, but to genuinely and authentically make people feel valued, and and that again creates that culture that that, that people want to lean into, right? Rather than feel like they're just filling a chair. Yeah, and that chair can be filled by anybody. And that's work, right? I, as I lead, I have to know all my team. I have to know where their strengths and weaknesses are. I have to know where they want to grow themselves, so I can release their internal motivation right. to do great work and to be a part of this mission that we jointly uh, subscribe mm-hmm. to in this moment in our lives. I, I learned something early on um, in my ministry way back. I don't want to say how many decades ago. Right. But, uh, Somebody said, the mission is the work, the work is the mission. And it seems simple, but what the, the metaphor or the, the, the term meant is that there is no one person in this work that's more important than the other. Ah. And if I think that you know the mission is the work and the work is the mission means holistically um, every element that is happening within this this mission, yeah. Um, I as I am as involved in that as anything else, and so the the example that was being used is, you walk into a room and the chairs aren't set up, and you go, well, what the heck did the custodian do? Why aren't the chairs set up? That's the wrong understanding of the mission. Yeah. The mission is the chairs need to be set up for us to host this meeting. So I better I better set those chairs up. Yes. And and so I do, and I'm not worried that the custodian didn't do it because maybe there was some other thing they had to do. Right. But the mission is to have those chairs set up so we can have a gathering to have a conversation. Right. And that, that was a huge learning point for me. And I tried to lead that way when I was a pastor and as a a business owner with, with uh, consultants that work with me that, um, nobody's, you know, I'm the owner and, and I'm on the hook. But I'm not any more important right. than any other one that's sitting around um, doing this work together. Yeah, because isn't that the ultimate leadership paradox? The more I try to throw my weight around or boss people around or, you know, thus saith the CEO of the company, the less responsiveness I get from the team, right? And the less mm-hmm. we achieve the mission. And, and really, it's no fun. I create a kind of a very antagonistic, competitive, hostile work environment. But really, the, the fun is to do this together, to be on this journey of accomplishing the mission together. And, you know, you balance out my weaknesses. I balance out your weaknesses. We have this, you know, beautiful symbiosis of, of a team. And I, that's what really gets me jazzed. Well, and I, I'm not going to get political. But, you know, we had our, our president say, um, when they were talking about having um, advisories and stuff, and he said, I am the team. And what's ironic about that is you can't say that in the same sentence. No. You know, there is that, you, there is no I in team. Well, that's a nice cliche. However, you can't say, I am the team. And so to be a good leader, you have to see yourself as a, um, a member of, not to, that entity. And, right. Um, and in my work, one of the red flags I get when I meet with leaders is when they reference the church as they. And immediately my um, radar goes up 
because I'm going to, I'm going to start to be a little more, um, um, observant of how this person tries to lead that, that culture. Because if they don't see themselves as a part of it, as we, as we, instead of they, yeah, right. and, and and literally, um, it, it's a trigger that almost always plays itself out that 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 leader does not take ownership, yeah, of the mission itself, but it's they're trying to help them do what they should be doing, but I don't really have anything to do with that. Yeah, I also get worried when they use the first person singular too. My, this is right. This is my congregation this is my people i get worried about that that kind of sense of you know um it all relies on me and i just got to get the, and, you know it's that mechanistic view of the team again you know if i just got to get the team to function at its highest level but it's all about me it becomes very self-centered well, it does and and those are two very different paradigms yeah. if i'm saying they i have a real disconnect right with what right. it is if I'm saying I, I have a disconnect in a different way. Yeah. Because it's all about me. Right. This this success of this entity, this faith community, it, it's me. Right. Um, and so then you lack ownership uh, at any level. And so I, I say, um, I even, in the book that I've written, have a chapter about um, trying to share, understand how we create a shared ownership of the mission versus it being done for me. Yeah. You know, the church struggles with being this service provider. It's done two and four versus right. we are, we are a gathering of people yeah. that together all participate in affecting the world and affecting people's lives. I like that very much. We've sort of run out of time here, Jeff, but uh, give us a shout out to your book. What's it called and how can people find it? So it's called Imagining a New Church. Uh, what if we're asking the wrong questions, which obviously means I probably think I have other questions that we could be asking. Um, so it, it's a push to leaders to try and start thinking differently about how to address what we see happening in church cultures. Uh, you can find it at jeffreychelberg.com, which is Jeffrey, K-J-E-L-L-B-E-R-G. So if you learn how to speak Swedish you'll be able to find it. You'll be able to find it, KJ, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you for your work in the world and all that you're doing to make this world a better place. My privilege, Steve. Well, that's it for Episode 3 of Season 1 of Developing Organizations. I'm so glad you joined us for this half an hour or so of conversation around leadership. I want to say a special thank you to this episode's guest, the Reverend Jeffrey Chelberg, President and CEO of uh, Kairos and Associates, and you can find them at uh, www.kairosandandassociates.com, and also President and CEO of the Joshua Group, and you can find them uh, at thejoshua-group.com. Uh, the Joshua Group is a more uh, missional development organization for faith-based organizations, and Kairos and Associates does resource development. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to invite you to take a moment to leave me a rating. That really helps a lot. It helps others like yourself find us and join in this quest to develop the organizations we all belong to. And be sure to subscribe to Developing Organizations on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast episode. I thank you for bearing with me as I learned this new medium and grow in my skills. I think I'm learning a little bit every time about how to mix and engineer and interview guests and all the rest. This has been a solely production of Stephen Goodwin and Turning West Productions. Thank you very much. Till next time.